2: And the, I want the rest of you, the men here, to give goatish cries.
1: <laughs>
2: Come on, let's go, let's hit. <laughs>
1: Evil! Evil!
2: Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to you from the heart of Greenwich Village, and I am overlooking a scene of such debauchery as boggles. It boggles the imagination. And if you listen carefully, you can hear imaginations right here in this room boggling. Even now, turn up the
1: game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's Saturday night. Saturday night in Greenwich Village. And all of us, deep down inside of us, being good Americans, it's spring. <laughs> there is inside of us a tiny little goat-like creature that has furry pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little cloven hoops, you know? And it keeps running around deep down there next to our pancreas. (laughs) And it keeps saying, It's
1: Saturday night!
2: Swing, baby! (laughs) And, of course, that's very tough on a large lady who's been wearing a girdle since she was nine. (laughs) You know, uh, in fact, since this is Saturday night, and I don't know whether any of you, you know, here it is, springtime... We're here in Greenwich Village where life is passionate, right? Oh, I can see passion ranging, roaring through this crowd like a bottle of Heinz ketchup. (laughs) Glop, glop, you know. (laughs) Passion and life and vitality, it's all here. It's the American scene, the American night. You know that writers, oh, there's something very special about this, and we ought to, We ought to make this very clear before we get involved in tonight's fiasco, that that the American night, the American scene, has been written about by writers ever since Thomas Wolfe. Thomas Wolfe, Norman Mailer, uh, Dorothy Kilgallen, all the great writers of our time, have tried to say, what is this excitement? And even as I look out over this assembled, this assembled group of bacchanalian orgiasts who've assembled here to eat cheeseburgers <laughs> on Seventh Avenue South in the heart of Greenwich Village, I can see a vague purple cloud of Saturday night passion, and a few little question marks. Will this be the night? <laughs> Well, I could say this, that out there in the darkness, there are thousands of cars going through that American night, heading towards God knows what on the turnpike, going past those big trucks, and the trucks are rocking past them. It's springtime. Everyone's aiming for that Howard Johnson of life, trying to devour it in great chunks and the question will be answered tonight for many of them is this the night let's give a great cheer to all of those out there who are debating shall we hey can't you can't you see this can't you see this tall thin girl with large glasses and sitting next to her in the car the 47 mercury with the leopard skin upholstery. He's clearly sitting there, and he's hearing this coming out, you know. And she says, what's this nut talking about?
1: I don't know.
2: <laughs> yes, the great innocent American male. And, and to, to have any of you gone past, you know, New York at this time of the year, it's almost like, it's like a giant cake of Fleischman's yeast. Oh, you just feel it in the air. It's pulsing and moving. Of course, people fight against it. Generally, most of us fight against this strange little errant animal that's inside of them. And I went down yesterday to something which is very important in our time. It's a true religious ceremony. Now, religions are very subtle. You know that many religions are not even recognized as religions until long after... They have been codified. You know that right up here, at at Columbus Circle, at the Coliseum, is one of the great religious rituals of our time, being being played out. The International Automobile Show. <laughs> oh yes, it's like a temple. Now you know, you go in there, and there's a great swelling sound of organ music. And there you see revolving in front of you the car altars, all various types of religious iconography, all whirling around with green and purple light. And in the middle of each one is a girl. In the middle of each car is a chick wearing a gold lamé bathing suit. And there are thousands of guys. Now there are thousands of guys all standing around watching now I saw a little incident there yesterday that I have to repeat to you they have the car appeared in the James Bond Goldfinger movie did you see that movie well they've got that car on display down here see and there were thousands of guys all the press people were there with the cameras they had newsreel things going, and there were guys crawling in the ground. And right there in the middle of it was this car with that, that shot hand grenades out the back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great car. It's an Aston Martin. It shoots hand grenades out the back. It, 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 lets, it, has, it has a thing in the front that shoots out flame, you know. And it's got blades that come out of the side that cut people down. Oh, it ejects people out of the wild thing. Fantastic car. And nobody else was watching any other automobile. And I had a sense that maybe we were looking at things to come. (laughs) Some manufacturer is going to get an idea from this, you know. And right in the middle of this fantastic melange, they had the girl. The girl. The definitive James Bond type girl. Now, I don't know whether you've seen this girl. You've seen her in the movies. She looks like a radiator ornament cold, hard. She looks like, well, she's a strange amalgam of things, you know, because right now in America, we're in the heart of one of the most interesting religions, I think, that man has ever seen. Girl worship. We worship girls. And no matter what is being done, no matter where it's being done, there is the girl. This fantastic chick. She's standing there, you know, she looks like she looks out of beach balls in a heavy wind. <laughs> you now she stands there, and I, she's got high black boots, and somehow you can see her. Even if she doesn't have it, she's got a bullwhip. <laughs> no, and it's true love. How many of you have seen Playboy lately? That center fold out that comes out—you know—everywhere out there in the darkness, there must be 18 million guys right now looking at that center fold. <laughs> And the real thing, you know, this little short, fat girl with pimples next to them is not a real girl to them. This is the real girl here, you know. You wonder whether or not they are picture fans or girl fans. Do you see? It's worshiping at false idols, clay idols. Well, I'm, I'm an American male, let's face it. All of you here are, too. All right, it has something to do with jeans. I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) But but the American male, and tonight I think I ought to do the first part of the show, will be based on this new kind of religion, the car, which somehow is intermingled with the girl. I don't know whether girls know that they're part of a a religion that has to do with radiator ornaments, has to do with hubcaps, (laughs) it has to do with tops that come up automatically. That every guy, when he sees a car, now I don't know whether women are aware of this, when he sits in the front seat of a car, somehow it's connected with women. True, men? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what do you mean? If, if it doesn't with you...
1: <laughs>
2: we have a show that comes out for you after the show. It's another one. Your game is next door. <laughs> Well, nevertheless, you know, it's a curious business about this woman and this girl. And I got out, I got out of the International Coliseum there, the show, the big, the big show. And it's drawing more people than ever in the history of the automobile shows. And I remember one of the first remembrances I have as a kid, one of the very few times, do you remember ever actually seeing your father excited? Now, I don't mean mad. We all saw our fathers mad, you know. <laughs> My father was the ultimate weapon in our house. <laughs> he was the atom bomb of our little family circle. And whenever I, would, whenever I would tread off, you know, off to the left or to the right of the path of righteousness, which was easy to do, man is always falling, you know. My mother would say, after, after enough, you know, after I push it enough, she would say, All right, I'm going to tell your father. That is the threat of the atom bomb. (laughs) Well, my father was this fantastic creature. You know, uh, he'd come home from work, and I would hear him come up the driveway. We had a driveway next to the house. This is how the car begins to play a part of the life of a kid in America. Now, I don't know whether this is true of the urban people particularly, but I always associated my father with the sound of a car coming up the driveway used to love to make that big turn into the driveway, you know, and with that soft, easy power spin, you know, vroom, yow, and you'd hear, vroom. And the side of the house, you'd hear the sound of gravel
1: hitting.
2: And then I'd hear, God was coming home. God was coming home. And it was always associated with the car, you know, and he was, he was kind of Olympian wasn't that he was not involved with us, but he was not really, you know. He was was a true male type. He was out bowling and yelling, drinking beer. He was driving cars. And that was not a kid world. And I remember one of the very first times I entered my father's world. And this is something that's important to a male. The first time that my father took me to something that was important to him. Up to that point, He'd drag me to the PTA, you know. (laughs) Important, you know. (laughs) He'd take me off to when they're having the rehearsal at the Boy Scouts, you know, with the knot tying, you know, that kind of jazz. One night, the old man came home. I'm a kid, you know, sitting there innocently, eating the cabbage, meatloaf. The old man's all excited. His eyes are lit up. And he said, I've got a surprise. Just lays it out. And usually surprises were aimed at my mother. And invariably, when he says, I've got a surprise, she stood up. Like, All right, here it goes again, you know. Well, he said, i got a surprise. My mother says, what is it? And he says, I am taking Jeannie. What? That meant the dentist, usually, you know. Right away, you
1: know?
2: He says, tonight I am taking Jeannie to the automobile shop the automobile show up to this point it was a fabled thing a myth you know something that you hear about you hear guys talk about it and sure enough 15 minutes after supper I'm sitting in the front seat just me and my old man this is a very rare thing for a 9 or a 10 year old kid you know to be taken somewhere by his father at least in our neighborhood and we are driving we are going to the Chicago Arena which was the equivalent in Chicago and is the equivalent of the Coliseum. A big building. I had never been inside of this building, just a fantastic big building. And we arrived out in front, millions of cars are parked and there are thousands of men all walking in. A few chicks, but they're mad, you know. you see an occasional kid. My old man is beginning to get excited and he's beginning to lose me. <laughs> yeah just running, you know, he's going through the crowd. He sees this. He was a real car nut, you know. We're going through this crowd. He's like, come on, let's go, hurry up. I'm dragging along what the We get inside of this place and it is an unbelievable cacophony of sound. Music and horns and people and confetti and balloons. And I have, you know, of course right away I'm confused. I'm worried. The old man is dragging me. He says, Come on, let's go. He cuts right like a demon right through this whole thing and we get to the place where he wanted to go he wasn't interested in going to the car show he was interested in going to one particular place one particular exhibit and I didn't know you know I'm just a kid we're dragging through there and suddenly here we are I will never forget this moment of theatrics pure theater this is probably the time that I became a performer I'm standing with my old man. My old man's mouth is hanging slackly. He is a religious zealot. He is in the middle of a, of a, of a, of a religious pang of ecstasy. You know that kind of thing when you say, have you ever seen a true religious person going out of his car, you know, holy rollers or whatever it is? The old man is standing there twitching. The lights are going, and there's a fantastic organ that's playing Ave Maria. Yod, 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 yod. And there are thousands of other acolytes all standing in the darkness there watching. And revolving on this revolving platform with sparkles all over it is a cord. A brand new cord automobile. Have you ever heard of a cord? Well, a cord is a fabled car. Of course, at that time, you know, it was just a thing. It's like hearing about dragons and stuff, you know. You never saw a cord in my neighborhood. You know, there's there's a thing. And the old man just stood there. It's revolving. And he had my hand, and he said, that is a cord. (laughs) It's like, you know, like some real religious guy is taking his kid to the Vatican. You know, (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. It was a religious experience, and we're all standing there, kids and all of us. And this thing is revolving, and standing on the platform is a girl. Even then, and she's standing there next to this half-open door. She's got these tight pants. She's got this cut blouse, this angry look of the car chick. The old man just stood there. We were looking at a cord. ever since that moment, I realized there was something important about cars. And from that moment on, at about 10, whenever I would get near the car, somehow you were getting near sex. (laughs) You were getting near women, all of it, you know. And I can remember the old man said to me one day at about the age of 12, he said, you've got a job now, kid. Saturday, it is your job to polish the
1: Pontiac.
2: <laughs> he was being good, you know, to me. It was a solid black Pontiac, and I don't know whether you've ever polished a Pontiac with Simon eyes, but you grow up awful quick. <laughs> Talk about the myth of Sisyphus, I'll tell you. There's nothing. Ask the motorists. what is it, motorist, wise, Simon eyes, they used to say, and I, I am every Saturday polishing this thing. And somehow it began to be intertwined in my mind with Esther Jane Alba. <laughs> that if I could get to run this thing, if I could master this thing, I could master Esther Jane. There are still a lot of guys trying to learn how to work a four-speed shift. Bringing if they learn how to drive that Jaguar, <laughs> Mabel is in the hip pocket.
1: <laughs> nothing,
2: nothing discourages you more than to meet a chick who can downshift like a fiend, you know? <laughs> you wonder what she's after, by the way. <laughs> but nevertheless, <laughs> this whole scene of the car and, and, and being involved in the cord all came back to me because you would not believe what they've got on display at the International Motor Show over here at the Coliseum. A brand new 1936 cord automobile. And what do you think is happening? There are thousands of men standing there with their mouths. And they're saying to little kids, it's a cord. (laughs) And it looks exactly the same. And they've got that organ playing back there. And the same girl is standing To believe there is something that has nice continuity, religion, you know. (laughs) Give you a sense of tradition and background. Well, from that day on, the car began to probably the single most important item in my life outside of life itself. And this and, and this is true of I think almost every man, and I don't think women quite understand that. A car to a woman is quite often a piece of cosmetic. It's an accessory. It's a, it's a little toy. It's a plaything. But to a male, a car is a car. Big iron. And you can smell it. You know that wonderful smell of a new car? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll tell you, that's a very sexy smell. Huh? That smell of a new car, you know, and you can smell the upholstering and the paint, and you can smell the tires and the grease and the axles and all that. It's a very exciting smell. And I connected with the world of the car. There are probably as many disasters in the average man's life as any other single thing. My father used to measure his life by the bad cars he owned. Yeah, like, you know, certain guys measure it by the time the bad times they have in the job. The old man, once in a while, would, would, you'd see him fall into a blue funk. That's his Hupmobile funk. He remembers that rubber frame, that balsa Wood transmission. <laughs> I remember, yeah, my father, my father, by the way, was a used car buyer. He never thought of new cars. A new car was a totally alien concept. And whenever he would look at an ad for a new car, or he would see a new car in a showroom, he would see it used. <laughs> he would, he'd see it dusty, you know, he would look back, you know. And he could see it with the trunk a little pushed in. <laughs> yeah, he always, always saw things. It's all a matter of perspective. And so, of course, the car became very important to me. And in, I was about 16. In fact, I was in each summer. In Indiana, you can get a driver's license at 16. And this is like a fertility right. <laughs> it is in, in, in America. It's a fertility right. It's a... It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a maturation right, And when you go down and get your license and you come back with it, you pass the test, you are entering another world. And I had been working for summer after summer, saving my little dough, putting it aside for the day when I could get that car. I could buy a used car. Do you remember the first car you ever bought as a kid? Going around up and down the used car lots, Nobody ever bought a new one, you know. Up and down the used car lots until finally I got this Ford. I had a V8 Ford. Had a beautiful sound, you know, beautiful roll in it. But one thing was wrong. The battery did not charge. How many guys in this crowd have suffered agonies with one little niggling thing, you know? Like one door that rattled all the time. Oh, there's nothing that can bug you more. You drive out of a new car showroom and it goes. At first, you say, "Well, it's just breaking in." Another 500 miles, it's going ding tick ding. It's getting even worse, you know. And then you take it back for the for the thousand mile check, and you drive around with the mechanic, and it doesn't do it. You, you know, nothing's wrong with this car. We checked it all out. You feel like a real klutz, you understand? Well, my imagination, you know, I guess I'm a little nervous these days. You get in that son of a gun and you drive out with it. You're not 30 feet away from the garage. It goes digging, Well, by the end of a year with this heap, you hate it. You know, that, that feeling of actually having a physical, mental, passionate hate for an inanimate object actually hate a car. You kick it. You get into it, you know, and you sit there and it's angry. The seats at the wrong angle. Everything. You sit this thing. No 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 You know that that some of them even have aggressive starters. They go You get up and you walk around. What have I done, you know, what have I done to deserve this? Well the old man all of his life fought used cars all of his life and my mother had one one phrase in our in our household one phrase I can remember that was repeated over and over again she used to say just once just once I would like to have a car paid for
1: <laughs>
2: we never owned the car <laughs> we were paying and, and, and as soon as the old man got down you know with the book of the coupons you know You get 24 monthly payments, that kind of thing, you know. He is down to payment number number three, and he begins to break out. (laughs) He breaks out in the fever. And my mother is hoping he'll reach the end of the book, you know. She's not saying a word, you know. She just sees that book getting skinnier and skinnier. And then one day, the old man comes home from work three hours late. And the roses are in his cheeks, you know. He comes in the house. And my mother, you could just see her slunk down on the bathrobe. And the sink is sucking up the apple cores in front of her, you know. The same dress for seven years, you know. And the old man comes in with a spring in his step. He comes in. And, and he, he would always approach it very obliquely. He would never come out and say, Hey, I saw a humpmobile today! He'd sit down. He'd open the paper. And you could tell something's wrong. You know, the paper is rattling. He'd open it up, you know. He's humming away there. The white socks have dropped seven straight. And he's still singing, you know. And finally it would come. I, I remember this very well. We'd sit at the table. <laughs> the old man would say... How about a ride tonight? <laughs> this is something he did once every two years <laughs> at payment Twenty. See, so how about a ride tonight? My mother say, just once. Why can't we have one car that we pay for? You no, know, it's no. Let's just go for a ride. <laughs> Spring, you know. let's go out. And 15 minutes later, we would be in the Oldsmobile. And and the old man would sneak up on the used car lot, see. It was the used car lot he had been looking at every night for a month, going past, you see. Slower and slower, he would go past. Every night, he seized that car, the car. And then, finally, we would make the big trip around. He'd buy us ice cream cones. (laughs) He'd buy my mother an ice cream sandwich. He's sitting there, you know, humming with his hat, and he keeps saying things like, "Oh boy, these tappers are sure going bad. Listen to those valve springs." You know, he never talked about the car before this. Now he's saying, "Oh boy, this this thing sure has a bad muffler. Listen to this transmission." Oh, you know. Gradually, we're we're heading towards Stony Island. Stony Island in Chicago is the Broadway of used car dealers. And sure enough, we would wind up in front of this used car place, the old man unloads all of us, and we know there's no fighting it. There's no fighting it. He's walking around. He says, "Look, he's facing. We're going to have to start putting money in the bus." He's talking about our old trusty old movie. This is the, this, by the way, is the universal cop-out for all men. How many times have you heard this? You know, we might as well we're going to start putting, what's the use of putting money in a a bad machine, you know? All we're going to do is we're just going to waste money. It's going to go out the drain. We might as well, and here he is buying somebody else's trouble. That was, a, that was another attitude, you know, that was... That was the, the used car buyer, by the way, is a... Is a, is a he's, he's the equivalent of the frontier man. He lives dangerously. Anybody can buy a new car and get a good car. To buy a used car requires guts.
1: <laughs>
2: Not only guts, it requires the soul of a guy who is willing to play Russian roulette. And here they are. There's 700 cars all lined up. There's Hupmobiles, Oldsmobiles, Pontiacs, Chevys. And the old man is beaming in like a nut right in on that one car that he's been looking at. See, and, and, and when a good used car buyer is buying, he always pretends it's another car that he's interested in. And so he would head towards this Pontiac, you see. The old man is, is faking out friendly Fred. <laughs> <laughs> He stands there in front of the Pontiac, you know, he's walking around, and Fred is over there saying, you know, this is an old this was owned by a minister, you know. (laughs) Told us not to say anything about it. Paralyzed, you know. He only would they carry him out every Sunday and put him in the front seat of the car. And the old man's walking around. And all the while next to him. It, next to it is the car he's really interested in. <laughs> this Nash with the such. Bol- he's <laughs> <See? laughs> walking around there, you know. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. Did, did I ever tell you about the time the old man came home with the car with the cracked block?
1: <laughs> now, that
2: may not mean anything to you uninitiated, but there was a technique that used car guys had where they used Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. They would stick it down in a crack and then they would put lamp black over it. It lasted for exactly eight miles. And we lived seven and a half miles. This is not an invented story, by the way. Speaking of crack blocks, what what, what radio station is this, friends? Come on, let's hear it! An FM and what town are we in? Yes. New York. Let's give it a big hand, New York. Yes. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <so> well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I think. I think this is why most men grow up in America realists. The women are the romantics, because men have had to fight cars. <laughs> How many times have you had that voltage regulated that goes out at crucial moments? <laughs> How many times have you stood in line and had your fuel pump, conk out? I can remember myself in a rented, in a rented, <laughs> one of the worst experiences I ever had in my life. It was, it was prom time, which is always a nice time, you know. And I had rented this summer formal, you know, this white jacket with the little carnation, a little maroon wool carnation up here (laughs) well you know the thing (laughs) with that sash the cummerbund the rod you know I'm a junior in high school and I got my Ford absolutely at the top of condition pink of condition I have ground the valves I've got new valve springs in it I've taken all the carbon out of the head and she's just purring you know and I got those twin Hollywood pipes back there It's a convertible, and I'm picking up Dorothy, Esther Jane, and Alex Josue. The big double date for the prom. We go to the prom, and it's beautiful. I'm dancing, you know. Oh, boy. Oh, you know. She's got a long dress. She's fat, you know, but... (laughs) Nothing looks greater than a little fat chick wearing a, wearing a dress that she saw in Vogue. <laughs> and that her mother made for her, you know. <laughs> and so here we're dancing, you know, and she's got the big flower in my face. <laughs> you know, the big thing. Have you ever smelled an orchid? <laughs> Very ugly smell, you know. <laughs> and we're dancing, and all I can think of is the car. How after the dance, we're going to get in the car, all four of us, and we're going to drive down to the Red Rooster. (laughs) And I'm going to be sitting there, you know, at the wheel. And it's beginning to rain a little bit out there. And, of course, I'm thinking, well, I'll get out and change the top, put the top down. And there I am in my rented white coat, my rented pants, and I'm trying to put the top up. (laughs) Joshua's on the other side. It's stuck, you know. (laughs) Already, we're bailing the thing out, you know. The water's coming down, and and have you ever have you ever gotten one of those little wool red carnations wet? <laughs> they begin to run, you know. <laughs> and it's raining out there, and I get the top. Finally, boom! Oh, let's get this. We get it down. Oh, tops up. Then right. we go. And there I am. I'm a little damp, but it's all right. You know, the car is okay, and my beautiful machine is out there. And it's, it was a dark midnight blue, had a white top. Beautiful little car. Everything is okay. We're dancing. <laughs> the band is playing. You know, it's getting later, later. The Japanese lanterns are hanging over us there, and I'm saying to her, "But uh, go to Red Rooster." Would you would you prefer going to the Palm Grove Inn? Which was another joint down the street? She says, I don't care.
1: <laughs>
2: Girl, play it big. We'll go to Red Rooster. <laughs> we're dancing around. Baby. Back and forth we go. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the band plays Well, it's all over. Let's go. Then here comes Joshua and Dorothy and Esther Jane. We go out, and all the kids are going out, and everybody's got cars. The father's car, you know, the big Buick, the big Pontiac, the big Oldsmobile. There's about six of us who've got our own cars. All the rest of the lot is filled with daddy cars. (laughs) You know, the big four-door types. (laughs) And you could, all, you could see the six or seven cars were owned by the kids, you know. They're, they're sitting there like sore teeth in the middle of all this, you know. they're <laughs> a very special look. We get in this car. I'll, I'll never forget this awful feeling, you know. We get in the car. <coughs> Esther Jane's sitting here, back of me, Dorothy, you know, Jossway, sitting down. And you know that funny smell that wool gets <laughs> when it's wet <coughs> and it begins to ferment... You kinda smell like a compost heap or something. It's all exciting though, you know, you don't care. Get down like this. (laughs) Pull out the (laughs) choke. It had it had a starter way up on the floorboard, you know. (laughs) And every time I would pull it up, I had these white saddle shoes that I wore with my evening dress. (laughs) And you drag your white shoes over the back of the, of, the, of the brake pedal, you know, and finally she turns up. You know that great feeling of, wow! and you can hear the rain coming down, you know, gradually. I throw it in the first, got the radio going, Joshua's sitting back there, he's got his arm around Dorothy, so you know, and I'm beginning to sneak my arm around Esther J. <laughs> we're on our way to the old Red Rooster and life itself. <laughs> Ooh, boy. I get myself out on the highway, you know, we're going along like this, and the radio's playing Red Sails in the Sunset. <laughs> and by the way, this car had the most fantastic shimmy Have you wondered why I'm so muscular up around here? It's driving with one hand with a car with bad kingpins, you know? (laughs) That's for the mechanics of the car. Every time we would hit a railroad track, it'd go, You know, the old front wheels go, I know how to handle it, you know, and I'm sitting there with it. and, you know, I could just feel it coming out of her. My big, strong man. Look at the way he handles that shimmy on the streetcar tracks. Well, we drive about a half a mile in the rain, in the shimmy. It's coming down a little bit harder. And all of a sudden, you know, you get to know your car like you know your feet. You do, you know. You know all every little ache, you know. every little, You know that feeling when you're since you all know your own bodies, you know that feeling when a cramp is beginning to creep up on you? You know, you go like this. You ever had a fantastic cramp at an embarrassing moment? Woo! And you're holding this chick and it's very romantic and all of a sudden in your mind, She says, what's the matter? You say, nothing. Sweat is popping out. Woo! 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 whether girls even get those, you know.
1: Because
2: <laughs> I see a lot of funny looks.
1: <laughs>
2: Incidentally, maybe this explains a lot of strange things to these girls. <laughs> Have you ever sat with a chick, you know, you're in the in the theater or you're in the car, and all of a sudden you feel your arm is totally asleep. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that never happens in the movies, you know. Tony Perkins doesn't say, wait, I got a cramp. Just a minute, Ingrid. Here, hit me under here, quick, quick.
1: I mean, you know, real life
2: is very different from life, friends. When we get out on the street, I'm telling you that we're out on the... when you when you have built the car by hand, like I had built this car, you know every little sound in it. You know every danger signal. And here we are, you know, every and, and I'm praying, you see, I'm saying, just this once, just this one night. Just this one night, Harold. That was the name of my car. <laughs> just this one night, Harold, let's do it now. You, know, you just do it, you know. We're going, you know. You know that nice rolling sound that the V eight has. That that Ford V eight. You can hear the. It's a very distinctive sound. (laughs) Hear the sound of those tappets and those valve springs. Everything's going good, and all of a sudden, the rain is coming down. I hear the first slight deadly danger sign. Just one little brief miss. Of an explosion. You know. Oh no. Men, you know what I was hearing? Fuel pump trouble. Chicks don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, there's nothing more deadly than fuel pump trouble. So I kick it, you know, you know, jiggling the gas, so to keep that gas coming into it, you know, in little little pumping jerks. And all the while saying, yeah, well, you see, um, that's not a bad band they got, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll have a hamburger with a cheeseburger. And I'm listening. My ear is listening. <laughs> and Esther Jane keeps saying, what's the matter? What's the matter, you know? Nothing, nothing. And then it happened. Just like that. It goes, go, go. <laughs> you know, that lat, and I pump the gas. You know? Hold on a minute, just a minute. Throw it back in into- the... Back in a second, you know, we're coasting to a stop. And she makes one brief little attempt, you know, catches just a little. And we coast to the stops. Esther Jane says what girls always say it Stop! Oh, the fuel pump. And I know, you know, I know what it is. It's a damn fuel pump. (laughs) Immediately, you know, uh, a guy who really knows cars knows immediately. what. See, I was a great fuel pump man. (laughs) There were guys that were great ignition men. I was the Mickey Mantle of fuel pumps. (laughs) So I'm out of the car, and it's raining like mad. I'm back in the trunk, you know, up goes the trunk. I've got a fuel pump kip that I care (laughs) have you ever heard about these guys in the pits at Indianapolis that can change a whole motor in 37 seconds I can change a fuel pump in 7 and a quarter seconds in the rain anybody got fuel pump trouble out there just give me a call All right, man I'll be out with you boy I'm good at that so I am out there you know and I've got that fuel pump wrench out It's, it's laying right on top of the block you know Right there by the firewall. For those of you who know your V8s, and I'm pulling the fuel pump out. Here I take it or put it on the put it on the running board. Take the I have my rebuilt fuel pump from Montgomery Ward. Put it back in there. I say, all right, hell, kick it over now. Let's see what happens. And I hear the key go, and I hear all those relays. I'm waiting. Motor jiggles, you know. And it's raining. It's coming down. We stood there. And you know that funny look that girls get on their face when the prom is falling apart? The car is not going. They begin to blame you You have failed again. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you feel responsible for this heap. And I'm so finally I said, come on, Al, get out of the car quick. He says, but my cold is getting wet. Get out of the car. And Al is out in the car. We've both taken the fuel pump apart. Have you ever taken the fuel pump apart in pitch blackness? In the middle of a rain? And I said, all right, Al, you hold the bottom. I'll hold the top. We'll take the bolts out. We get this thing out and I can remember, I remember walking over to the street light. And there's the street light with the rain slanting down. My little maroon carnation is now reaching my ankles, you know. (laughs) My coat, I can smell it and the water's coming through. And by the way, one thing I remember vividly from that evening, chicks don't have this problem. Men, have you ever had one of those hairs? in the pads in your shoulders, <laughs> digging at you for a week and a half straight, right up there in the middle of the dances. It's always up there. You're always going like this, you know. <laughs> that lousy little horsehair digging. There I am in the darkness, looking up through that, that light. The rain is coming, and I've got the diaphragm up there. You see, it's a little diaphragm with a little filter. I'm looking up there, and I see, I see the cause. That great moment of triumph! Please, please, there it is! Give it to Mister Jake Quick. Alex goes back and he brings me your handkerchief, and I'm there in the darkness, wiping the crud out of that thing and cursing Montgomery Ward. What the curse? What do you mean rebuilt? They took it off an old Ford and sold it to me. You know that thing, and then you suck through it. For those of you who have never worked on fuel pumps, one of the best ways is to take the input valve in your mouth and have somebody else pump the output valve. And if you begin to swell up, it's working, see? I stick it in my mouth, Joshua's poop, It's working, it's working, quick! Put it under the coat, you know, to keep it dry. Back in there, it's going. I said, all right, Al, turn it on, quick! Shepard triumphs again. You are looking at a man that has triumphed over, over obstacles that would have stopped lesser men. And I get back in that car, you know, that great gutsy feeling. A man who's in charge of his world. I wonder if chicks know these moments. I get back there, you know, and the old car is purring. It's beautiful. And Joshua is absolutely gassed out of his skull. Joshua was the kind of guy who was not even allowed to drive by his dad. And suddenly I was 15 feet tall. Big Mickey Mantle sitting in the front seat there. And we'd see an occasional car stalled. I'd drive past... We arrive at the Red Rooster. And this, by the way, I think I should preface this for any of those of you who are eating. Put your hamburgers down, cause trouble. (laughs) Remember, I was a junior, been very exciting. I got the fuel pump fixed. Mickey Isley's band of renown had entertained us. It was the prom. Esther Jane was wearing her yellow prom gown. Her, her orchid was hanging there drooping. You know that excitement of the prom? And I ordered my first D-R-I-N-K-I-E.
1: <laughs>
2: my first drinkiola. <laughs> Big guy, you know, I'm sitting there. And along comes the waiter, and he says, So... One of beats prom, you know, and all around you can see the big kids, you know, the seniors. There's always the, the smart guy type kid, you know, who drinks and has the champagne. And of course, here we are with the prom. This is my first prom. The waiter comes over. I've got five dollars in my pocket to spend. Alex has got five bucks in his pocket. The waiter says, "Would you have something to drink?" Esther Jane says, "I'd like an orange." Orange crush, please. And Dorothy says, can I have a Coke? And I say, well, I'll have a um, rum and
1: Coke.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that, that was such a popular drink, you know, and it sounds so innocent, a rum and Coke. The waiter looks at me, goes away. He comes back with this big drink. I'm all excited. Remember, I'm excited. Down inside of me, there is this little ravening creature that's sweating that says, you fixed the car. (laughs) Esther Jane. It's the prom. This is a golden moment. You should remember this all of your life. Remember, they always talk about proms. Remember Andy Hardy. Remember Judy Garland. Remember how great it was at the prom. you got to remember this moment. And I take this rum and Coke, and down the hatch it goes. Oh, boy, did it taste good. Woo, what a Coke. I call the waiter, bring me another one. I drink the next one. And then all of a sudden, that little creature down there is also drinking. It wasn't me that got sick. It was him. <laughs> And Joshua has had three of them. Little old, non-driving Joshua. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I say to Alex, I could feel something go... My fuel pump was going bad. (laughs) I feel something go... I say, Al, uh, would you like to go to the men's room? (laughs) Straighten up. Straighten up a little bit. Straighten up the tie. And Al says. Yeah, <laughs> Al is green. You know, when you're a kid, you're very embarrassed. You know, to ask about going to the men's room. You know, let's go to the men's room. So the next thing you know, Al is in the men. We're both in the men's room, and I am over there trying to comb my hair when all of a sudden it started to come up. You should have seen the two of us simultaneously, both of our heads in the bowl at the same time. Wow! Ah! Wow! Ah! It's pouring out. Oh! Oh! I got my rented coat on and it's dripping, you know. Oh! And the cummerbund is squeezing me. Oh! 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 I'm green and white and yellow. Oh! No, you know that that fantastic acid taste in your mouth. That, dude. And Joshua comes up out of the bowl. He has gone in after it. You know, his feet are just sticking out. I pull him out. The two of us stand there, combing our hair. <laughs> And we go back out, you know, and here's this whole room. It's funny, it's tilting, you know. <laughs>
1: it's
2: looking crummy, is the it? Jukebox is playing, and we walk back and sit down. And Esther Jane is sitting opposite me with a hamburger this big. <laughs> She's got a seven-pound hamburger with cheese coming out of it. It's got piccoli squirting. And I take one look at that. Oh. 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 I'll tell you for the next 15 minutes it was back and forth.
1: <laughs>
2: and I can only say to those of you kids out there in the darkness who are preparing for your prom, be careful of Coca-Cola. Watch it very carefully. Make sure you have a fuel pump that works. And above all, do not take with you a little wool carnation. Somehow, every time I see one of these little wool carnations now, I feel sick in the stomach. Speaking of feeling sick in the stomach, it's time for news. We'll be back in five minutes. At Parker,
0: our purpose is simple.